Welcome to the Die Hard Minute Podcast, a presentation by Movies by Minutes, where we break down the 1988 John McTiernan movie, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Chris Derkutch. And today we are covering Minute 107 of Die Hard, quite possibly the greatest hairy chest minute ever. <laughs> and we're joined from Immunities, Bob. Hello. Ah, welcome to Nakatomi. Yeah. We've really, we've brought you in for the powerhouse minute. <laughs> Possibly the most exciting minute of the movie. <laughs> by I mean, far. By far. I mean, some people really enjoy him jumping off the building while it explodes. Um, some people enjoy, you know, the fate of Alan Rickman's character or some of the witty banter from early on. I don't know. I kind of like a guy on a, on a walkie-talkie. <laughs> on the verge of tears. Yeah. <laughs> I want to picture there's some 10-year-old somewhere, like, you know, who is, like, channel surfing and, like, found this on HBO, like, just as this minute was starting and then, like... <laughs> switched away and like the rest of his life you know like whenever somebody talks about how good cool die hard was he's like what that stupid movie he just remembers this minute yeah <laughs> yeah that's like all he saw because he just refused to watch any of the rest of it it's like and i don't know bad, what's wrong with the rest of you and the bad part is as much as this is not the greatest minute for a movies by minute podcast in the movie it's a great minute oh sure because it's all his character development it's him coming around this is also the breather between a huge accent scene and a huge accent scene and the next one where if you're watching this movie like you're supposed to when you're just going along, this is your moment to be like, all right, whew, I got to catch my breath. And it's also building tension, right? Because this is where things are going like the way the bad guys want them to go. You know? Yeah, so he it's just like- had his first – like he was doing pretty well up until the last, you know, say the last 10 minutes. He had taken out a couple of them. He would had some decent interactions with them, and then it all went to hell. Right. And now he's not so sure he's going to make it out at this point. Yeah, this is the this is the letter to the wife that you write before you go into battle. This is right. This of like you're telling your friend or your your radio friend of like, yeah, tell my wife this because I'm probably not getting out of here. Yeah, and I, I tease Bruce Willis even on this show, but for as much as Bruce Willis is annoying now, I mean he totally pulls this minute off. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's carrying the emotion of someone who's. Hey, I, I fought the good fight, and I don't think it's going to go my way. Yep, but just taking it out of context, it just <laughs> yeah. But just to have to come on and do the one minute, yeah, 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 feels kind of artificial. It's like when they took the uh, like Stallone's big speech from uh, First Blood, or not from First, from Rambo, like you know, yeah. well, it's you from know, First Blood, the one in isolation, that, the one like, the what like, I want is just what everybody went over there wants. <laughs> yeah, well, which one are you talking about? The one at the end where he starts to like completely fall apart. He's like. And he's like, for America to love us as yeah. much as we love it. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, that's a first blood part two where he does that. Yeah, speech. yeah, yeah, Rambo. Yeah, the first one is the one where he has like the complete meltdown. He starts talking about how everybody died, and he's just like, they all died. And he's like, it's actually a great acting choice, and mm-hmm. it works well in the movie. But again, if you just watch it as a two-minute clip on YouTube, you're like, what is he doing? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the better parallel because the other one probably isn't, isn't as good even context. Well, the, no, the other one <laughs> has the same context as like the, um, the speech from Rocky Four, where you're like, wow, I bet this played really well then. <laughs> <laughs> now you look back on it and you're like, what in the hell is going on here? Uh, the only reason why the, the old Die Hard wouldn't play well now, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, not that nothing's happening, but everything that happens is like realistic kind of. You're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. nobody's driving cars from one building to another or, you know, jumping 60 stories down and still being okay. Like, when he does stuff in this movie, he actually gets hurt. Yeah. Like, when he steps on the glass, he's hurt for the remainder of the film. Like, he's still hurt from his first fight that he had when he fell down the steps. 
Yeah, I was like watching, since there's not much else to watch, I was sort of like looking at his face and it's like whoever had to do like wound continuity on him had quite a job. Oh you know, my God. You, you've got to like have those things done exactly the right way at the exactly like, the right time. And I feel for it's that. It's funny how he keeps that, he keeps that wound going for the whole movie, yet there's movies where they get shot through, you know, their shoulder and it doesn't last oh, for well. longer than like five oh, minutes. Sure. Oh, sure. Like later Die Hard movies. Yeah, like later Die Hard movies. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> the old, I got shot in the shoulder and walked it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still move my hand. I can still use it. Yeah, it it didn't shoot me in the shoulder and you know fracture my shoulder bone and completely make my arm limp and useless. <laughs> we're, we're good. It went right through the fatty part. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. But. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it didn't it didn't sever the artery. It didn't sever my brachial artery and make me bleed out. For some five reason, minutes. I was going to say for some reason blood isn't squirting from my hole in my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a movie, there's only two types of blood loss. It's the um, the commando. I got shot and someone put some red paint on me thing or yeah. it's the Quentin Tarantino yeah. gets something cut off and a fire hose of blood shoots out. <laughs> <laughs> or you can always go the Rambo route where he poured gunpowder and cauterized it himself. Ah, well, that's what a man does. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe McLean should have done that's that. Not counting the, uh, that's not counting the blood coming out of your mouth, though, which always means that you're going to die before that scene is over. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to have blood coming out anywhere else. It comes out of your mouth, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's when you're doing your big death scene. That's so you can uh, yeah, you can right. cough and the blood splatters out, and you're <laughs> and all you can think about in the back of your mind is I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> Hopefully, you have a handkerchief so you don't cough it in. Yeah, <laughs> a nice white handkerchief. Yeah, yeah sure. Of course, because even if it's a modern day movie where like no one carries a handkerchief, you just suddenly have one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, like if you just wa- I think if you cut if you cut his pauses out of the speech. The whole speech would have been about 15 seconds, because he pauses <laughs> more than he talks. <laughs> I, I may mention this in a minute before, but when it cuts outside to, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Resident of all, Resident of all John. Carl. Carl. I can't, I can't, it's not Carl, is it? Carl Winslow. <laughs> Carl Winslow. I walked into that one. <laughs> and I, I'm so stupid, I agree with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> you were like, yeah, yeah. Carl. <laughs> no, I said, Car- and wait a minute, his name's not Carl in this. What's his name in this, smart guy? <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, way to do your... Reginald. Re- yeah, I was calling Reginald Val Johnson, so... Um, I thought the guy standing behind him was Jay Thomas. I think I said this in the last minute. We did. Yeah, and it's not. It's nobody. <laughs> I was completely wrong. Um, he also gives a good performance for really not having to say anything, but he also had that look on his face. It's the look you have if your best friend was basically reading you the equivalent of, like, a suicide note over the phone to you. Yeah. Or he called you from... Uh, I'm not going to use that comparison. He called you from, like, the same thing. He called you from a battlefield and was like, yeah, we're getting ready to go in. You know, I just wanted to say, you know, can you tell my family this? And, like, you got nothing to say. Like, there's really mm-hmm. nothing you can add to that. I mean, you can try the old, no, no, you'll tell him when you get home, even though you don't really believe right. that. I don't know how he's going to remember to tell her all this stuff. He's not writing anything <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> you now, there's two things he's good at. He's good at, like, you know, like, repeating things verbatim that people said to him and driving the car backwards over yeah. the abutment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he does for a, uh, what's considered a cop who's a, on desk duty, he does pretty well with that. Yeah, I mean, he sure. does, uh, what, 30 miles an hour straight backwards over an embankment? <laughs> <laughs> As... But yeah, that's true. He doesn't. He hasn't uh, learned the lesson that Simon Pegg tries to teach in uh, Hot Fuzz, where he's like, you know, the most important weapon is your notebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just... Uh, I am going to make some comments about uh, Bruce Willis rocking the hairy chest in this, as I said at the beginning of the minute. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure if you film this today. Do do we still go hairy chest, or is that is that crap waxed off of there? I think it's gone anymore. 
you're not allowed to have hair anymore on if you if you have if you're fit at all. They hmm. you know you're waxed. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you'll notice that they are keeping this uh, the camera shot above the equator because <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he was in shape, but you know nobody was rocking six pack abs back then because. It's, it's, right, right. He was in he was in eighties shape. Right. I was just say if you're in his shape now, maybe they do leave it, leave it just to make you look more yeah. like a normal guy. But they wouldn't. He wouldn't be in that shape now. He'd be the rock. Yeah. Which even the rock's not the rock anymore. <laughs> because if you're an actual yeah. to me, if you're in police officer shape, the shape that I want my police officer in, you wouldn't have six pack abs because that to me means you're putting way too much effort into it. It also means that you're cutting back on yeah. your water because you're trying to have those abs. It's like no, no, no. I I want you right, to have like right. that um. The, the bodies, like, the really strong and fit guys would have, like, in the 60s where, like, they had, like, their stomach was just super flat and they had, like, huge, like, the big upper torsos and you were... Like Bruno San Martino. Yeah, and you're mm. like, I, I could not fool with this guy. This guy looks yeah. like... The guy's, like, shaped like a triangle. Like... Right. Right. And you right. just know that he had unbelievable grip strength. Like, if they grabbed a hold of you, you were dead. Like, that was it. They had to. It was over. I had someone a long time ago tell me, you never mess with anybody whose forearms are the same size as their biceps. He's like, because yeah. anybody who's got huge forearms is someone that works with their hands all day. Like Popeye? Yeah, like Popeye. And Popeye was exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know you shouldn't mess with him. Yeah. You know, you're going to go out there and you're like, yeah, I'm going to mess around with this guy. What's he do for a living? He's a bricklayer. No, you should probably not do that. You should uh, <laughs> go pick on those guys that podcast for a living. They'll, they'll, that'll be fine. <laughs> They're not going to be. They're not going to put up any effort for you. Well, I guess while you're here, Bob, I'll ask you the uh, the easy question of what is your history with Die Hard? Uh, let me see. Uh, I missed it when it was in theaters. Um, I would have been old enough to see it, but I I it was, I don't re- even remember if it was like a big hit at the time or if it just became big in cable. Um, but then I went to uh, college, and there was a guy convinced that it was like the greatest film of all time, and would like watch it every night. So I uh, watched it a bunch of times, and he would, you know, and he would just like comment constantly, and uh, you know, it's like you know, looking over here, and then there's the stuff that you would you would be able to see, except this is the pan and scan version, so you can't <laughs> see it. Like you know, when, like when Reginald Vell Johnson comes in to t- and talks to the guy behind the counter, like in the VHS version, you couldn't see that there's a guy with a machine gun like around the corner. But yeah, and I always loved it though. I mean, it's always good. It's it's I I like an action movie where they balance, you know, that the you know that the villains are smart and the heroes are smart and the villains catch breaks and the heroes catch breaks and it does a really good job. You know, it's a really good construction yeah, that way. If you construct the movie from the opposite way, you shoot this movie from Hans's point of view. He has the same thing. He's the hero of his piece. He has a goal. He has a thing that he's trying to do. Like, they don't they don't murder people for the sake of murdering them. There is a purpose to everybody they're going to kill. They're going to kill everybody, but, like, there is a purpose to it of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. He has a goal, which is a very simple goal. But, his, yeah, his plan makes sense, and he's going to try to accomplish that goal. Everything else is just whatever. Like, he's not – this will happen in the later Die Hard movies where, like, let's just toy with this guy. Let's do uh, – let's send him – you know, little codes and clues and like, no, he's not doing any of that. He didn't want this guy there. <laughs> this guy's screwing everything up. Right, right, right. You're right. Yeah. The closest he comes to a, to a, like a, a super villain moment is like when they all do the laugh at the end, you know, like right when, after Bruce Willis has yeah. given up his gun and they're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> you know, like, right. But you know, you can, he, he's been through a lot that day, so he can, he yeah. slips for just a minute. Yeah, and and there's a lot going on by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, they're, they're totally both, uh, they're beyond the falls at that point. And I don't think I asked Chris this. I'll ask both of you guys this. This is the question that uh, has started many of the argument. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say yes. It's a Nakatomi Christmas party. 
That's all you need to know. We, I think we did speak about this before because I said it's just as much a Christmas movie as Gremlins is. I mean, yeah, just because there's mayhem and murder doesn't mean it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> right, exactly. What do you think, Bob? I would say you can see it as a Christmas movie. I sort of prefer not to see it as a Christmas movie because, like, the family stuff that, you know, it's got all this family reuniting stuff in it, but I kind of dislike that that part of it. So, you know, I, I, oh. I sort of look at it from the other. Because, you know, there's, there's all this symbolism through it, you know, and, like, you know, that, you know, she almost gets killed by her Rolex that they she got from her job and all this stuff. And, you know, the uh, that I just kind of try to ignore. So I don't think of the Christmas part of it. But, I mean, I def- it's definitely there, though, if you, you want to see it. I would like to think it's a Christmas movie just so I can force my family to watch it and cut into that uh, family channel that they watch every year for the you know, 25 <laughs> no, no, no. days of Christmas. We don't need to watch White Christmas. <laughs> there you go. Let's put in Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even White Christmas they want to watch. They want to watch the movie with the same woman in it over and over again, only different stories. This one's mm. about her dog. This one's about, you know, she's Santa Claus's daughter. I don't even know what you're I, talking I about. I'm very glad about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I just went off a little bit. Uh, you know, I got a little angry about it. <laughs> I'm glad the fall and not the Christmas around the Christmas season. So I got to hear you have a meltdown. <laughs> oh, and another thing. Let me tell you another thing. She watches. Oh well, guess what? She watches it in July when they do the Christmas in July thing too. It's the Disney, Disney family <laughs> movie or whatever yeah. it is. I don't like anything about what you're saying. <laughs> and of course, the final answer is yes. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That was the correct answer. Um, oh. The, well, the way I, gotcha. Bob got it yeah, the way I usually explain playing. it is, yeah. to me, it's a Christmas movie if the plot and the setting totally revolves around Christmas. If all you do is have a Christmas tree mm-hmm. and like it just so happens to be at Christmas, that's not a Christmas movie. But in this, it's integral to the plot. The whole reason he's there is because it's Christmas. If someone stares at Santa Claus for five seconds straight smiling, yeah. it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, it depends <laughs> on how loose you want to get with it. Is it a Christmas movie? Literally, if it just happens at Christmas, is it a Christmas movie? It's got to have something to do with the plot. Like, if the whole plot is, like, the family's coming together because it's Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. If the whole family's coming together because right. it's Thanksgiving, yeah. it's a Thanksgiving movie. I agree. I'm glad you agree. That's why you get to be on the podcast again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I was, I was, I was replacing you with Bob. <laughs> now, now you get to stay. Yeah. Well, but Bob, said, well, he got Bob to, said it he wasn't a Christmas wrong. movie, he's so he's out. Yeah, I'm he's packing my bags exactly. right now. <laughs> All right. Actually, it's Die Hard, so I should be, like, uh... Like cleaning out my desk instead of packing my bag. And so. on the way out, make sure you make fists with your feet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I got to ask the question: Does anybody have anything to say about any of his actual dialogue in this minute? Um, well, my one is just his final thing, which is the uh, you know that you you heard a lot from me, but you never heard me say I'm sorry. Right. You heard me say I love you a thousand times, but right. I got to admit, sorry, yeah. that is the kind of apology that gets you uh, gets you into the sheets with the wife. Right. Yeah, that is. Yeah, get you. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. use that. She's probably not that is a, that is a quality stuff. apology. That is up there with. Um, let's see if I can get it right. Uh, from as good as it gets, when he says to Helen Hunt, she's getting ready to leave the restaurant. She says, "You got to say something nice to me," and he tells her this big long story. And then he says, "She goes, well, okay, what were you trying to tell me?" And he says, "You make me want to be a better man." I was like, listen, mm. I, you know he wrote that down two hours ahead of time and had that in the back pocket just in case. You've <laughs> <laughs> always got that one. Like the one that you got your one killer line that you know you can use, especially if it's a girlfriend or a wife. Like you know. Like you know how to hit them. And you better have that ready to go if you really screw up, which is what he did here. So he went with the, I told you I love you a thousand times, but I never said I'm sorry. It's true. Though that, that one only, only, only going to work once. So he's got to be careful. you got to use it for the big one. <laughs> like right now he's <laughs> – He's got to come up with something yeah. else he never said for the next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so you're yeah. telling me to save it then. 
<laughs> save that for when, like, you accidentally, you know, uh, you crash into her father's car or something. You know, something you do something terrible, <laughs> or like she goes through your browser history. You know, one of those days. Oh, she's been through my browser history. She's given up on that one. Yeah, my wife has too. She went through it and was like. Yeah, there's 40 pages of you looking at uh, movies by minutes and one-minute clips of Clerks. <laughs> You're very boring. <laughs> but you do something yeah, interesting. Like, wow, this is so exciting. You're watching Clerks a minute at a time. Uh, I'm so glad I'm, uh, I married you, uh, Mr. Uh, Hot to Trot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we had a one-minute John McClane monologue. I doubt many other people are going to ever get to say that, especially in later Die Hard movies when he basically stops go. speaking. Right. This is back when they still cared. Speaking yeah. or bleeding. <laughs> or acting. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Trying, Please. I guess, might be the other way to put Don't it. Don't talk that way about New Jersey treasure that is Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of our, uh, one of the bastions of our state. I was going to say where he was from, but I can't remember anymore. I know it's down here somewhere, but... All right. Does anybody have anything else? Well, I was just thinking, like, uh, in the uh, never heard me say I'm sorry thing, the, uh, like... From the point, from the woman's point of view, would you rather have like you know be married to Bruce Willis, who like has never said he's sorry in like however many years of marriage, or would you rather be like the uh, to just take a fictional character completely at random, the girlfriend of uh, Dante from Clerks, who is saying I'm sorry constantly, but you know never actually acting, on never it. mean it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Listen, one of those Lady in the I Tiger things. Brian O'Halloran a lot, who played Dante. No one should ever answer the question. Would you rather be with Brian O'Halloran or Bruce Willis? Because I don't care how he acts. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not true. Even a question. <laughs> Man, this guy acts like a real jerk sometimes. But you know what? At the end of the day, he's still Bruce Willis. <laughs> right. I'm glad we could there solve that problem. Look at that. We've solved a lot of problems here today. Uh, hopefully by the next minute or two, uh, Bruce Willis will be able to pull himself out of this funk and get himself back in action. But yeah, like I said, if you're if you're if you're watching if you're watching this on DVD, this is your uh, going to the bathroom minute. If you're watching it in the movie theater for the first time, this is your minute to be like, "Oh, oh my God, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta calm down after like all the mayhem that just went on for the last ten minutes." Or when you're leaning over to the buddy next to you, be like, "Can you believe that? Did you just believe what you saw?" All right, so that is it for us. Um, why don't you tell them where they can find you at? Uh, I do the Immunities Podcast, which is a science fiction audio drama about the aftermath of an alien body snatcher invasion. Uh, you can find us at DuelingGenre.com or ImmuniediesDrama.com. Uh, we're Immunities Drama on Twitter and Immunities on Facebook. And Chris and I host the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we are currently breaking down clerks one minute at a time. You can also find us at DuelingGenre.com, along with a host of other Movies by Minute podcast and uh, original work like Immunities. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. You can stop by there, give us a five star review. While you're there, you should give a five star review to everybody who's doing the Die Hard Minute. There's a lot of work that went into this, and people doing pulling a lot of extra hours and not seeing their families very often. <laughs> Hopefully, at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Uh, so check us out on Facebook. Someday they'll say they're sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, they better. They better apologize to me. They, they, I mean, it wouldn't hurt for them to tell me they love me either. That's fine, as long as the five-star review is <laughs> uh, You can also check us out on our previous Movies by Minute, uh, Burbs Minute. And uh, I think we're about out of here. What was I want to say? Oh, yeah. Yippee-ki-yay, Melon Farmer. Tell me you got that. I got it. I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5. <laughs>